0: Everything has to go just right for it to work. Sometimes we joke while it's all happening, during one of those evenings, someone will say, this really shouldn't work. Uh, But with our students, there's truly no limit to what they can do. And they're truly brilliant in all aspects of making that performance happen. And then to your point, resetting it and doing it all again three more times after that first concert.
1: Welcome to the Indian Prairie Podcast. We are your hosts, Brian Giovanni, Director of Innovation. And Candy Michelli, Director of Professional Learning. In today's episode, we are excited to welcome Don Devaney from Matea Valley High School and Mark Duker from Wabonzi Valley High School to share some updates about December concerts and the preparation to make them happen. Welcome Don and Mark. Can you take a second to introduce yourselves?
0: Hi there. I'm Don Devaney. I'm the Fine Arts Department Chair at Mattia Valley High School. And I'm Mark Duker, and I'm proud to
2: serve as the Fine Arts Department Chair at Waubonsie Valley.
3: Well, thank you both for being here today. We're excited to hear from you, and we want to kick off the conversation and hear a little bit about the history of the concerts in December in District 204. How did that idea start coming about, and tell us a little bit about it.
0: Well, we have Chip Staley to thank for bringing the idea of a PRISM concert to Indian Prairie. He served as the Fine Arts Department Chair at Waubonsie Valley starting in 1985 and retired in 2015 from Niqua Valley. The first PRISM concert was in 1992 at Wavonsie Valley after Chip visited the Eastman School of Music and attended the 40th anniversary celebration concert called the PRISM concert, where performances were not just limited to the stage, but all around the auditorium, and each performance had a seamless transition to the next. He brought the idea back to the students, faculty, and community to see what kind of production could be done in 204. The idea of this concept at the time was not only a completely different type of experience for the students and the audience, but also possibly solved some logistical issues of having every ensemble perform on a concert. So they gave it a go and the rest is history. And in the words of Chip Staley, the first Prism concert taught us that it was not only possible, but popular.
2: When we had our 25th anniversary five years ago, we got to interview that original staff and talk to them about how this came about. and. One of the things was 1992 was when our new facility at Wamansi opened. That was the first year of this auditorium. So they were moving from a gym to an auditorium space and they had, so they had a different logistical need. And they also knew that the previous year had been a marathon, very long concert. So they were, it was sort of born out of necessity with needing to find an alternative. And Chip just happened to visit Eastman and see this other structure for an event that he thought would work really well here. And it did take them a little bit of convincing, but obviously, uh, it was extremely popular once it got started. And it's not only evolved at Neuqua and Mattia, but a lot of it, schools in our area have adopted the same kind of an approach. And some have even used the same
1: prism name as well. So, Don, you kind of mentioned if somebody who's listening to this has never been, it's nonstop for an hour and a half. Continuous yeah. music. They're on the stage. They're behind you. They're right in front of you. You're kind of within it. And one of the things that you both say as you introduce is, you really can't go to the bathroom because you may be part of the performance at any moment because it just happens. Yeah, there's a lot of logistics. How do you how do you kind of plan all of that? What's the flow look like?
0: Yeah, it, we start really, you know, looking at this before the school year even begins, and it, it starts with the literature selection. Um, we work to develop a program that has a diverse set of repertoire, which includes a variety of styles and genres, and also includes some familiar pieces and some pieces that the audience may not have heard before. And we put that program together to take the audience on a journey and keep them engaged for 90 minutes with the crescendo to the finale. And along with that, We have to consider all the the behind-the-scenes logistics of the program order, looking at how much time we have to reset an area after a performance and before the next ensemble arrives. We also have to consider all and use all the available spaces in the auditorium and which groups can fit in those spaces. And lastly, we need to take into account the students in multiple ensembles. They need enough time to get from one location to the next. So those are just some of the um, factors that come into play when we're trying to design the overall program.
2: A lot of people look at the small ensembles and really enjoy those. Sometimes those provide some of the most exciting moments because it's students who are often student led and working without a conductor. And we love them for all of those reasons, too. But the reality is that's also a practical need as we are removing all of the choral risers from the stage and setting up 90 chairs for a band to come on quietly with the curtain closed. We need two or three performances out in the house. Uh, to fill that time and to get the audience's attention on something else. And then the curtain opens up and suddenly there's a completely different setup on the stage.
3: As you're mentioning some of those talents of students and people enjoying those smaller groups, there's no doubt that we have some of the most amazing student performers. How do you showcase some of their talents? And then what does that work with their instructors as well? And when you only have such a short period of time and you have so many students?
2: Yeah, so fitting everything in was one of the hiccups when this initially started in 1992, trying to figure out how to make it a shorter event while still including everybody. So we have our curricular classes perform one piece. On a normal concert and the rest of the year, they might perform three or more. So everyone does one piece on this. um, And that's kind of the starting point to make sure students are included. Then we wanna include all of our co-curricular groups, um, choirs, jazz bands, string groups, things like that again for variety, but also to make sure that the students in those experiences have another opportunity to to perform. Um, The small ensembles are by audition. So students put those groups together. They will, for us, they will be submitting next Monday recordings and then the staff will choose which ones of those are going to work. And then um, the, the other thing that sort of helps us is the fact that it's seamless. And we're not pausing for applause between each of those performances. We're able to get a little bit more music in in that sort of hour and a half time frame. So all of those things kind of work together. Um, you talked about the teachers, Candy. That the teachers have a lot of jobs during Prism, and the the moment where they're on stage conducting is in some ways um, the least. Uh, busy thing that they do. They're backstage managing students, or we have people managing um, the setups backstage or managing the house or somebody in the booth calling the show and telling the lighting cues when to go. So there are so many moving pieces that if you weren't backstage, you, you could not possibly imagine what's going on.
0: Yeah, and I would just add, I, I think this concert's unique uh, because it gives students an opportunity to interact with each other in new ways, whether it be waiting in the homeroom for their portion of the concert or being combined with another class to fit in all those individual performances. Um, and the students are all part of something bigger than any one of us as individuals. And I, they're continuing a wonderful tradition that I believe this will be our 30th year Am I correct on that, Mark?
2: I believe so. I do need to do some math quickly, but I believe yeah. that is correct. There's. I want to bounce one more thing off of what Don just said, too. The other thing the audience doesn't realize is how much downtime students have backstage. And we talk with the students at our dress rehearsal about their professionalism. They really, it's, it's very uncommon for them to perform something multiple times, let alone five times in three nights if you include a dress rehearsal and then two performances two nights in a row. So getting up for a good performance every time and allowing themselves some downtime, but still getting focused when they need to come back on stage is really a challenge. And um, we're we're generally really pleased and proud of the way they're able to do that because it is asking a lot. And we're curious um, if they're going to be able to snap back to it this year after having a year off of that environment. So fingers crossed.
3: I think that's like such a great life skill, though, because so many of us have things that we are doing in our daily lives and jobs and careers that we have to have that skill. So what a great opportunity for them to practice and 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 feel that in, in real life as well.
1: Absolutely. So from a consumer of the experience, it's amazing. It's a lot of fun. It's one of the best experiences. You know, you kind of get everybody from the orchestra in the choir, you get a lot of things within that hour and a half. I'm sure for you guys, it's a lot of stress, a lot of things going on there. But if you kind of think back, what's your favorite of that whole experience, whether from the planning all the way to the end, what's the favorite part? And I hope it's not what it's done. I hope it's kind of somewhere in the middle. (laughs) No, You know, uh, Brian, it is,
2: I wouldn't say it's not stressful, but another piece people don't really realize is we're all working together for that week of the event and certainly the weeks leading up so while there's a ton to do it's the it's the only concert of the year where everyone is working towards the same goal at the same time so there's a lot of help there's a lot of collegiality staff and students so it is busy and it's crazy but but everyone is rowing in the same direction and it's really neat Um, in terms of favorite parts Uh, Donnie and I talked about this ahead of time and we each have a couple that I think we would share, but I'm going to talk about, um, I love, so I get to be in the booth during the show. So I get to see and interact with the audience a little bit more each time at the end of the performances. And I love seeing a mix of sort of those legacy families who have been coming to this for years. have had many students. I love seeing them and reconnecting with them right next to families we're building those relationships with. I and mean, we have people who have been to literally every prism and seeing them and talking to them and getting their feedback is really great. And then talking to a family of a brand new student to this experience and getting their perspective as well. It's its pretty darn amazing to see the impact it has on all of those families.
0: I actually have two, two things I love about the experience and it, and it has to do with seeing all of the kids in the same place at the same time. This happens twice. Mm -hmm. Um, The first time it happens is at the dress rehearsal, right before we start the dress rehearsal, we have a meeting with all the students. And we talk about the fact that we've been given this gift of learning music and a supportive community that helps provide the opportunity. We also talk about the fact that music is meant to be shared and that this performance and all of their work leading up to it is a gift to the community. And then the other time, I get to see them all together is in the finale. Um, and I love the first run through at the dress rehearsal, because even though I'm prepared for it and I've seen it since we've opened the school here at Mattia, uh, you just can't be prepared for when the curtain opens, the lights go up a little brighter, it starts to snow and you're surrounded by all of the students performing together. It's quite an experience that just can't be expressed in words. So down that they. That-
1: brings me back to you. You highlighted the snow component uh, that you guys have at the end. So it's obviously teachers and students. There's a lot of other people involved in this. Yes. And you got a short turnaround. I, I think they probably play a big role. What What's all that kind of look like? And yeah. who plays a big role in it? Because yeah. when I leave the, if I've gone to the six o'clock show at Wabonzi and I come over to the eight o'clock show at Mattia, it looks clean like there's never been a performance before.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, there, there's a lot of people involved in, in the preparation and the, the actual concert itself. It involves obviously the music faculty and the students, but also our administration, our auditorium staff, the tech department, deans, athletics, school faculty, our music parent organizations we'll get to in a second, our parent volunteers and the IPEF who generously support the concerts each year. Uh, we talked about the literature and sort of programming and logistics. That's kind of where we start. Um, we talked a little bit about the behind the scenes and how it's uh, uh, choreographed. Really, everything is timed. Students actually follow flow charts that get them from their room to staging locations to the actual performance venue and then back out and then to the finale. We have a Mission Impossible team that's a group of students that works on resetting the performance areas after each performance uh, without hopefully being heard or seen. And sometimes the performance is going on while they do that, just feet feet away from them. Um, Sometimes they're clearing a whole stage and resetting it behind the curtain in just a couple of minutes. We spend about two months on tickets and distribution of tickets to our community, students, families. Uh, We use most of the rooms in the building while the concerts are taking place. And uh, we have to coordinate with our colleagues about the use of their classrooms. Our music parent organizations are vital to the success of the concert. We have close to 150, most people don't realize this. We have close to 150 volunteers doing everything from chaperoning homerooms to ticket distribution and everything in between. Uh, We work with our tech department, our media classes on a live stream production. That's not only for the public, but also for the homerooms. So the students have a way of knowing what's happening in real time during the performance. A week before the performance, our auditorium staff begins working on the lighting production in the auditorium. We also have a group of individuals that come in and decorate the auditorium and the lobby areas. We do a recording session so that students have a a record of their performance and something that they can share with their families. And we also have to put together the physical program that the audience receives when they walk in the door and the ushers that pass those out. So there are a lot of moving parts. Um, Basically, there's a whole other performance that's happening behind the scenes and everything has to go just right for it to work. Sometimes we joke while it's all happening During one of those evenings, someone will say, this really shouldn't work. Uh, But with our students, there's truly no limit to what they can do. And they're truly brilliant in all aspects of making that performance happen. And then to your point, resetting it and doing it all again three more times after that first concert.
2: Yeah. Brian, if you ever stuck around Waubonsie just for five minutes after the show, you would hear the vacuum start immediately, That's true. (laughs) So that crew, that's our auditorium staff. They get to work immediately doing that. You know, just Donnie pretty much covered the vast majority of what is happening, but just to give a, for instance, our music staff will have one meeting where all we do is sit with Dave Calvert, who's our tech director. And we go through every piece on the program, what kind of lighting we want, when we want colors to change. Um, And then we have a, a binder back in the booth with every single, it's the score for every single piece that's performed one after the other, and there's a countdown and there's lighting cues. So all of that stuff is happening, uh, in the booth and, you know, hopefully people are not hearing those cues being given if they're sitting right in front of the booth, but I mean, they'll hear a countdown from 10 to one at the end of each song so that the moment it's over, Dave can hit the lighting cue and those, those lights flip around and light up another spot in the auditorium. So all of those things that make it seem seamless, uh, take, I mean, any one of those changes has several people involved to make sure that it works.
3: Just hearing you guys talk about it um, and the passion that comes through, and it's like there's an emotional response that I get just listening to you talk about the, your love of the students and the staff and the community that you've created with everyone around you as well. So it's yeah. it's really amazing. What um, Beyond December, um, what else are you thinking about for the music program in the future? What are What are some things on the horizon?
2: I think it's fair to say at this point we... Everyone's mantra this year has been meet students where they are, right? And we certainly want to live that as well. Our students have done, I'm going to get in trouble for saying this, but they've done better than we anticipated coming back to school. We're having concerts. We've still got a few more concerts coming next week. And the concerts um, have, by and large, sounded like normal fall concerts. And we weren't sure we would get back to that right away. So we're going to continue focusing on helping students get caught up helping them get comfortable, helping them get back to just enjoying what we do. I mean, remote learning is our kryptonite. While we were able to do some great things remotely, the whole point of our our classes is to be together and making music and and feeling those feels that you really can't get many other places. So that's priority number one. Um, Priority number two for us is just finding more ways to create on-ramps for students. We know that we've got a group of students who select music in fifth grade when they're heading to middle school. And then we don't have many opportunities for students to get involved if they didn't make that choice. So we've we've added some things like our music production classes recently, but we know that we wanna continue to do some things, middle school and high school, both that allow, you know almost every student you see has got earbuds and they're listening to music any chance they get. And we would love to give them an opportunity to dive a little deeper in that with some instruction, with some guidance, um, and share some of that with us, help us learn as a staff where students are right now, just across the buildings musically, and let our music programs continue to diversify, modernize, um, whether that's technology or just repertoire, things like that. So um, we have some really interesting um, composers we've been commissioning recently. We have we have three in the works here at Waubonsie with composers that have a much more diverse background than our typical uh, canon of, of music. So We're just trying to broaden our horizons and just make sure the students who are interested in music have an opportunity to pursue that and have a place for them.
3: Well, we appreciate you both being here today. I will admit I had no idea of every little logistics that you shared. Um, just the list. Don kind of went through a list of things and so impressed that you have so many people involved and it it's for um, such a wonderful experience for other people. So you're doing something to share that joy and the gift, like you said, with others. And it's just, it's great. It's amazing.
2: It's our pleasure. The staff is definitely tired Saturday night when it's over, but it's a very happy tired and there's a lot of fulfillment with that.
0: Yeah, thanks so much for highlighting this and and our students' work. And really appreciate being with you today.
3: We would like to thank both Don and Mark for their time today. It is truly amazing to learn all the logistics and support needed for the shows to be so successful with such powerful entertainment for our community. We would like to thank members of our curriculum instruction team for the leadership on this topic and extend a special thank you to members of our communications department, Lisa Berry and Clayton Urbanic for making the podcast happen. If you have any further questions, please email your questions to curriculum at IPSD.org. We thank you for your time today and hope you enjoyed being part of the conversation.